This latest episode of Sip Your Ass Down is a discussion with relationship expert and women's coach, Serenia Bryant. We discuss love, relationships, childhood traumas, and some psychedelics. But of course, we start off the conversation with some fun and explicit topics, but you'll have to listen to find out what those are. So sip your ass down with a nice glass of wine and come along on this wild ride with me, Keaton, Diana, and our guest, Serenia. Oh, and mom, kindly skip ahead to about 17 minutes in to avoid any awkwardness the next time I visit. Thanks so much, and I love you. Here we go. All right. Well, hi, Serenia. Am I saying your name correctly? Hi. Yes, you are. Nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Good things, I hope. (laughs) No terrible things. (laughs) Terrible things. I'm a terrible person. I try to be a good person. No, no. Yeah. And you guys are currently in Portugal on vacation, which I'm very jealous about. Yeah. It's a zoo here, though. Not quite a vacation. It's a workation. I guess I don't know. I've never been on one of those. If my company ever wants to send me on a business trip, like I'll go, but don't know how that works. You sound a lot more mature than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> what do you What do you Like mean? you sound like a grown woman? Oh, okay. And I feel Does like I'm not a grown Well, no, but I think me and Diana sound more like children. <laughs> That's true though. Yeah. Interesting. Well, my boyfriend always says I look and sound like I'm 12 years old. I don't think that's um that sounds like jailbait, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that, but Well thank you, Keaton. I will tell him that. You're so welcome. Um Yeah. <laughs> so explicit. I heard this is gonna be explicit episode, which makes me excited. Well, it could be. You deal with relationships, so first of all, my first question is what are you drinking? Ooh, yeah, good one. I am drinking some rosé that I bought last night at Costco. It's a rosé of Pinot Noir, which I've never seen it like called out like that. I didn't know that, like, I guess it makes sense. You could have a rosé of a specific red wine, but I've never heard it like specified which red wine it is made into a rosé. But I like Pinot Noir. So this is a rosé of Pinot Noir from Costco. And it's pretty good. We have a white wine called Via Latina, which should mean Latin street. (laughs) Via, not Viva. Via, it's street, right? I have no idea. It says Escola, which our Brazilian friend upstairs said means decisions. Well, and if you drink an entire bottle of that, you might make some questionable decisions. Right. Not speaking from experience or anything. Is it like dry or is it sweet? I'd say it's off dry. Off dry? Okay. We actually had a sparkling wine upstairs. Moscato. Super sweet. Yeah. We tried it and it's just sugar water. And you are finally progressing into like wine wine. Exactly. I'm so proud. Thank you. Your palate is developing. Well, good for you. That sounds yummy. It's good. Yeah, it's delicious. I'm already feeling it. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so this will be officially my first podcast interview where I am not serious. 
at all. That works because I don't know if you've listened to any of our past episodes. Not yet. But one of us always ends up drunk. Oh, good. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. We basically like alternate each week. Like, what did we even talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to listen to those. Oh, it's fun. So our guest today is Serenia Bryan, relationship expert and girlfriend of Misha Janietz, my boss. Do you just want to say something about you? Yeah, tell us about yourself. Would you like to know? What's your little elevator pitch of yourself? Okay, well, I'm a 11 relationship coach for the reason that I used to be absolutely terrible in relationships. I'm talking like toxic, codependent craziness. And I met Misha Yanyets almost five years ago. And we were at this breaking point after about mm, probably two years. I think we made it two years before it was like really just over. (laughs) (laughs) And I had this epiphany because, you know, I had to do this whole reflection thing. And I was looking at all my past relationships and I was like, okay, girlfriend, you have issues. So I went on this whole you know, transformative journey, going within, figuring out that I'm totally scared of abandonment and all types of things due to traumatic childhood experiences, of course. (laughs) So now it is my mission to show every other woman that she has the same thing as me. (laughs) Okay. And I teach them how to heal this and not reach that breaking point like I did. Or peacefully break up, you know. Yeah. That's not an elevator pitch. That was like five minutes. That works, though. That works. That's interesting. In a nutshell. Okay. So you and Misha, then, how long have you been together? You said at two years, you guys, like, reached some sort of breaking point. It'll be five years on October 8th. Okay. Almost forgot that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is uh, my longest relationship, considering that we are together 24-7. I was in a five-year relationship before, but, you know, there was a lot of long distance involved or just simply space. (laughs) Okay. Which is not the case too much in this relationship. So we're pretty proud of ourselves. We're still in love. We still have great sex. And we're doing good. 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 Diana doesn't like the notes. <laughs> okay, so this morning, Serenia came to me and said, okay, I had a new sexual experience today or yesterday. <laughs> so I knew we were going to record a podcast tonight. So my first question for you is, what happened? Spill that tea. Hold this. I'm going to show you. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just joking. We need to get video on this. <laughs> so (laughs) you see this yes i mean i know misha is into butt stuff (laughs) because i'm cutting his podcast and he's (laughs) he was open about it you know but not like okay so does this mean i'm sorry i'm a little dense prior to this he just liked his ass eaten correct that is correct Um, We're going to have to put at the top of this that we need to tell my mom to not listen to this or my aunt. Um, 
Wow. Okay. By the way, I'm totally on the spot here too now. I know. It's okay. Um, I would just like to throw in a caveat that, is that a caveat? I don't even know. That's the word I want to use. But I was never going to do that in my lifetime. I thought. I was like, I would never lick a man's asshole because it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless you have a bidet. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little plug. What? Lover of a bidet. <laughs> What's a bidet? What? <gasps> Explain it to her. Oh my God. It's the best thing ever. I'm a little dense too. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Okay. So little side note. A bidet, we have one on our toilet. It sprays water up your butt. Oh, that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We have one. Um, ironically, that I installed myself last year <laughs> <laughs> when my husband wow. and I going, when we were going through some shit. <laughs> we did some retail therapy. I bought a bidet and installed it myself. He bought headphones. <laughs> but get a bidet and you don't have to worry about any butt stuff because it's all clean. This is your way of saving the relationship. <laughs> It was just, yeah, it was just some retail therapy. He bought like fancy Bose headphones and I bought a bidet. And now I never, like, I have zero interest in doing either having my ass eaten or eating ass. Not my thing. Mm-hmm. But if, like, have you tried bidet, it? It's all clean. No, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was saying the same thing you are right now. Okay. And I don't know what happened. <laughs> But I was very confident in Misha's cleanliness because he's just a very clean person. He never smells. And we don't have a bidet, but we do always have baby wipes on hand. Okay. Okay. You know that because I'm uh, cutting his vlog <laughs> and he showed that you will always have to put baby wipes in your suitcase. <laughs> it's true. This is my favorite episode so far. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, so that was your new experience today. I assumed that he would like it. Like, it's a guy, and I believe every guy likes it. I've heard that. Like, don't quote me from where. I have no idea where I heard it. But you never tried it. No, I've never tried it. We have a game upstairs called Privacy. Oh, boy. Questions are, have you ever get your ass eaten or put a finger in your partner's butt or something like that? And there were a lot of yeses, <laughs> including me. I did that as well. <laughs> <laughs> the most I can say is like, okay, everybody has that almost accident, which I'm like, you're going to die tonight. And B, like <laughs> the most I can say is like an attempt to put like a finger up there. And I'm like, all right. Okay. And this was all like pre-bidet too. So I'm like, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like I know my own ass. I wouldn't. <laughs> recommend that <laughs> i would have to be waxed i would have to be waxed yeah i know you're picky about that i'm very picky <laughs> there are some people who get their asshole bleached yeah i know of some people that want to get their assholes bleached or like there is a thing that you can stick up your butt not <laughs> in there but like you know in between the cheeks basically and you can sunbathe with it so there's no area that doesn't get tan. Wait, hold on. This prevents your butt hole tanning. <laughs> yeah, okay. That does not sound good. It eliminates tan lines. 
basically. Well, there are certain kind of areas that don't get the sun when you're on your yeah. belly. And when you put that thing in between your cheeks, this helps it tan. Yeah. Okay. So it eliminates tan lines. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> Products we could have invented. Yeah. I'm just imagining sitting in my backyard in my hammock, tanning my ass crack. <laughs> and it's not something I ever thought <laughs> would even be in the realm of possibility. Okay. I mean, it makes sense, though. Although, I just, I don't know. I've tanned naked in a tanning bed one time, and, like, my boobs have never been itchier. I cannot imagine my poor butt crack. I've never been in a tanning salon my whole life. I don't recommend it. Like, it's really bad for you, and I haven't done it in years. But sunburn on your boobs is a real thing, and it's very uncomfortable. Ouch. Yeah. Now, tell me, how long have you been married? Okay, so we've been married about three and a half years, three years and a couple of months, whatever. We've been together. It will be eight years on December 4th. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Long time and no butt stuff. Not other than the odd finger attempt or the accident. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's hear about that one. (laughs) Oh, that's just like who doesn't have an accident? Like wrong hole, wrong hole. (laughs) I had that. I screamed. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. That was the first time Misha went in there. (laughs) He said, it doesn't count. I said, well, it counts for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think anything went in. I was just like, that is an exit only. Okay. And it just, it hurt. (laughs) Not prepared. Yeah. I know you to like do butt stuff. You have to really prepare. And for a while I was kind of like, okay, maybe like, why not? Like looped up. But I think you have to prepare more than that. Yeah, just don't stick it in there without anything. This person is going to rename nameless. But I know of someone who like, they have to prepare. Like we're talking like, yeah, you start with like a butt plug, whatever. Yeah, lots and lots of lube. (laughs) I have the funniest story that I have to tell you guys when we're not recording. Um, (laughs) But to all like seven of our listeners. (laughs) I just think you have to prepare more than just with a lot of lube. I mean, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. And unfortunately, I think a lot of men don't know this. So they go, you know, straight for the attack, (laughs) (laughs) which has been my experience. True. Which, like, I guess if you're used to it, then you're fine. But also, I don't know. I'd be, like, very cognizant of the order in which everything is happening. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, but my thing is, I feel like most guys would try the finger first, and there's something about that where I'm like, I would rather you just put your member down there than your finger, <laughs> because when you pull your finger out, you don't know what's <laughs> going to be on there, <laughs> and then you might touch me, you might grab my face. I just don't. <laughs> You might touch the bed and then I'm going to look at that spot on the bed forever until we wash it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. And like fingernails are gross. Oh, yeah. Fingernails are really nasty. I don't need you scratching my asshole. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. I would cry. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Real, real considerations. Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Move on from butt. 20 minutes in. (laughs) 
and we're just talking about <laughs> I didn't think this would go this way. Yeah, no, that's not what I anticipated. Um, but wild, good for you. I'm glad you guys are still keeping it fresh. Um, you know, <laughs> helps to keep it, um, keep the love alive. <laughs> okay, next we should continue. What? Um, do you, so my question was, and this is kind of now off, but like totally not with the flow of where this has been going, but um, how yeah. do you... After five years, yeah. How do you and Misha like still communicate? We figured out how you keep it fresh, keep it new. How do you guys communicate? <laughs> um, <laughs> he just talks, talks, talks all the time. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> yeah, he's a big talker. Ask Diana. But we've gotten to a point where we're now kind of um, – calibrating and so I've gotten a little bit more used to speaking up okay whereas before I was a lot more holding everything inside and just not very communicative at all Dana and I know nothing about that (laughs) are you the same um yeah working on not being that way but yes well one thing that has been helpful is just that he's so like he encourages me there you go Okay. You know, he's like, you need to talk. You need to talk about it. Well, now he's gotten me to the point where I talk and he's like done listening. (laughs) (laughs) So that backfired. No, I'm just kidding. But we definitely got to a place where he's now getting better at being quiet and listening and I'm better at talking. But, you know, the thing with communication is it's never like perfect. It's more like what we got good at is we do all the bad things, right? Like we do it wrong. And now the difference is that we actually reflect and we come back and we're like, okay, so here's what I did wrong. I'm sorry about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the big, the big thing for us is like self-reflecting and apologizing and having the talks, but the triggers aren't just going to go away. So we still have those same little things. And then we come back and connect afterwards. When you say triggers, like, what do you mean by that? For example, one of my big triggers is consideration. So if I feel like he doesn't consider me or my feelings, I shut down. Okay. I have the same one. Yeah. So that's like a trigger. I'm like, oh, this, you know, and it could be little things too. It could be like, oh, you drank, you finished my bottle of water and we're out in the hot sun and there's no more water and you didn't think about saving me a sip, you know? Yeah. Okay. And so... Sometimes I'm just like, instead of just being calm and like, you know, doing it the right way the first time, sometimes I just give like an attitude, just have an attitude. I'll just get snappy. I'm just like, oh, what's your problem? You always do that. And that's just like an example. Okay. I would have to think of what else are big triggers now. I feel like we got over the big ones. Like jealousy was a lot bigger in the beginning of the relationship because I didn't trust him. Hmm? For you or for me? For me. No, Misha's not jealous in the least of it. Like, I could do anything and he wouldn't care. I feel like you guys are, like, switched. Like, to find a guy that likes to talk, wild. Um, And to find a guy that's not jealous. <laughs> I mean, not as wild, but also very nice. Yeah, it's interesting because every guy I was ever with in the past was super jealous. 
and controlling and was like, you can't wear that. Oh, my God. I would absolutely shut that shit down so fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Misha's things are more like impulsiveness. Sometimes he just he doesn't know how to like regulate his emotions and like calm down. Mm, okay. And he gets it out and he's like, fine. So he'll like explode on me like a volcano. And then I, I hold in that energy and I'm like, okay, this is intense. And then five minutes later, he's fine. And he's like, what's your problem? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, bipolar. <laughs> that literally just happened last night. My husband and I did not hold it in. I did not hold it in. Usually I do. But my husband and I just had that talk last night because like he's going to school. He's like super struck. He's just not a good student this semester. And he's like stressed about whatever. And last night, like I went downstairs because he's downstairs working in the basement. I went down to see him. And like, I get that he's trying to focus and do school. I can see that. I'm not an idiot. But like, I haven't seen him all day, whatever. (laughs) I'm saying hi to him. And he's like, I'm trying to focus. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that, obviously. But also, I haven't seen you all day. And tell me without snapping. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I did not hold in that energy like you do. <laughs> I <laughs> yelled right back at him. I'm like, check yourself before you fucking wreck yourself, man. Come up to me and you're not going to be such a dick. So he did. And we had that discussion, whatever. So that's very relatable. Yeah. And then it was all good after? Or was there any like lingering resentment? Nope. Then it was all good. Oh, that's good. Perfect. He felt heard. He apologized. I felt heard. And I said, thank you. <laughs> Which I've been working on. I've been working on not saying like, it's fine. Because it's not fine. It's not fine for you to just randomly snap. That's true. But, you know, thank you for your apology. I appreciate it. So I totally feel that. Andrew's the same way. One thing that I I have also put in as well, like, okay, yeah, it's not okay for you. But also, I try to give in that like, okay, I understand why you snapped. Because then it gives you also the room because sometimes you snap too. Yes. Right? So when we always like hold each other to this standard, we have like less room to be human. And then it gets like we start pointing out every single time the other person fucks up. So I got better at that because I found out that I would always call him out on every single thing that was not okay. And then, of course, I'm a woman. So sometimes I would get like, you know, throw in my attitude when it was not warranted. Uh, Yeah. When I'm hungry. Yeah. When I'm hungry. Yeah. (laughs) Thirsty, fucking hot, horny, (laughs) whatever it is. I am pissed off and I just want that to be okay. So when I tell you to leave me alone for a second, even if it's not very nice, let's just let each other do that sometimes. Yep. I totally feel that. Well, and it sounds like you guys have really like been able to kind of evolve and pick up on that, which is really good. Which is really good. I feel like sometimes couples fail simply because they can't get past those things, you know? And I really like that you guys come back afterwards and regroup and kind of like discuss, like, I shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Whatever. That's really good. And I feel like Andrew and I need to do that. It's that problem with communication, like in general. Exactly. Psychology says men and women speak a different language, and you just have to find the language you can both understand 
Definitely some common ground. And also communicate in general because many, many couples don't do that. They just don't talk. Mm-hmm. And then I think once you stop, it gets harder. It was your problem too. Ugh, yeah. And you both were already filing for divorce. Yeah. It was the communication problem. Just not saying, okay, I need more than this. Yeah. A lot of it did boil down to communication. And we've came a long way from where we were because I totally was that. I was, you know, that's obviously not the same, but I would absorb that. Like when he would have his little blow up, whatever, I would absorb it. And I'd just be like, I let it build into a lot of resentment, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously that is not good. And it led us down a really shitty path. <laughs> um, but right. we're back now. And it's, you know, we are better than we ever were. It sucks the way we had to learn how marriage works, but we learned. Experience is the best teacher. And yeah, now I think we communicate really well. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. A, because there is. B, because that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking to be better. But yeah, communication is a big thing. And it's always something you have to just work on. Yeah. And it's just taking that responsibility because... It was really easy to say like, okay, you blew up and that's not normal because when in your reality and the way you grew up, that probably wasn't normal. That's the case for me, right? Like I was not allowed to do that. <laughs> right. If I had a freak out moment, my parents would be like, um, no, you're like grounded. <laughs> and when I met Misha's family, I realized that's how they communicate. Like they can have like this whole heated conversation at the dinner table and then we go into the dining or the living room and have like our tea and everyone's like best friends again like they just that's normal for them you know what I mean yeah right so with Misha I had to stop saying that he was wrong for blowing up and I had to just start saying I'm sensitive to that way of communicating right it's me it's a true it's not you it's me yeah (laughs) And that just makes it easier for him to hear it and be like, oh, okay. So then in that case, he wants to help me and not hurt me rather than get defensive. It always comes back to the childhood. It always comes back to childhood. (laughs) True. That's why we both want to go to Arrhythmia. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that. To heal our traumas. To heal and cry. (laughs) Yeah. In school, I was in this conflict resolving group, you know, When you have a break, you would be in a specific classroom and people who fight can come to you and resolve it. (laughs) Kind of like a mediator. Yeah, yeah. And I was that. I love mediators. That's my personality type. She's an IN. Yeah, INFP, which is the mediator. So she's she's Andrew, but with an I, right? No, 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 no. Andrew is an EN. FP- yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. I had a really I know your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Glad you do. <laughs> um, yeah, but in that class, we learned that you start sentences with I and not with you. You don't say you did this and that. You say I think this and that. And that this is just a much better way to communicate with other people. Yes. Or yeah. even... Like when you're having a discussion and it's like even getting slightly heated, whatever, to just 
kind of clarify what they mean. Like, this is the way I am interpreting what you're saying. Is this correct or incorrect? You know, if this is incorrect, can you correct it? Like, tell me what you really mean kind of thing. Just to be sure that there's not any misunderstandings in the little like nuances. And also see all the perspectives. Yes, that too. Communication is so wild. Okay, but Rhythmia, we both want to go. Yeah. Serenia, have you been? Yeah, she was. <gasps> Let us live vicariously through you until I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to make it a long story short. But basically, you do ayahuasca for four days in a row. And the first two days, nothing happened to me. And I was just feeling like, okay, maybe I don't need this stuff. I'm already good. I'm healed. You know, I'm enlightened. I don't need fucking ayahuasca. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. So then later in the evening on the second day, Misha and I get in an argument. And it was around open relationships. So we have already had the discussion of open relationships since basically since we met. Like he was always like, I might want to be in one at some point because I don't think I can be with one person forever. And I was like, I get that. Let's just go with the flow. So um, then I guess it was just like becoming more of a daily discussion at some point, which got annoying because I was like, is it just going to happen or not? You know, like just do it. But I don't want to just keep talking about it. Mm hmm. And then I was just like, you know what? Maybe it's just not going to work out. You just go be an open guy. I'll be monogamous and I'll find someone else who wants to be monogamous. And then the next day on the third day, I told the shaman, I was like, listen, I need a big dose because it's not working on me. And it's a different shaman every time. This third night, it was a woman shaman. Her name was Sarah and she was an angel. She just had this energy, this feminine energy that could penetrate anyone. So she goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I coach women in relationships, you know, in self-love, the whole thing. She's like, okay, so you're used to holding it together, holding the container for everyone else. You can let go now. We got you. And I don't know if it was those words or just her presence, but that ayahuasca put me on my ass <laughs> that night. <laughs> <laughs> and... I had this whole crazy journey. Um, When you go with like a couple or a friend, you want to do it on the opposite side of the room because you don't want your energies to connect or just, you know, you want to be on your own journey. Makes sense. So Misha was off outside or something and I was going through the motions. And at some point I felt like I was almost dying. I mean, it was the most like physical and emotional pain I was going through. I was just like sweating and tossing and turning and wanting to throw up, but I couldn't really throw up. And then Mama Aya, that's what they call her. The shaman. It's a female motherly. No, the ayahuasca. The ayahuasca. Okay. So she, I started visualizing her. She was a praying mantis. She starts gathering all the pain in my body. And I see it like this ball of fire, right? It's in my stomach. And she starts pushing it up like, pushing it up my esophagus. It's somewhere near my chest, coming up towards my throat. And then she stops and she leaves it there. And then she turns into this little like fairy and she flies away. So meanwhile, I'm holding this ball of pain in my chest. And I was like, okay, she left this here for me to throw up, right? Everyone's throwing up in buckets when you're doing ayahuasca. Oh my God. Okay. 
But <laughs> I'm leaning over this bucket and I'm not throwing up. The shamans are walking around and there's facilitators and they're all making sure you're okay. It's very, very safe. This one guy's coming up to me. He's like rubbing my shoulder. He's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, but I think I need to throw up, but it's not happening. And he said, listen, just trust your body. If you had to throw up, it would just happen. So just relax. So I stopped trying to throw up and I just lay down curled in a ball. And at some point, I feel a hand on my shoulder. And without even looking, I knew this time it's Misha. I just know his hand. I know everything. And in that moment, I started bawling, crying, like the heaviest cry you've ever seen. Like snot on my pillow, just totally didn't care what it looked like, crying like hell. And the ball of pain is just disappearing, disappearing, disappearing until it's gone. And the message that Mama Aya was putting into me was, he's here when you need him and you don't need to own him. And this was like the biggest epiphany for me that even if for the first time I actually realized and believed that even if Misha wanted to sleep with another person, make out with another person, whatever he wanted to do, right, it wouldn't affect me or our relationship because he's always there for me. Uh-huh. And since then, we've just it was like we flipped a new leaf and just have a whole new appreciation for each other. I recommend all couples to do it. And it was just like a really beautiful experience. Yeah. Okay. So I am dying to go to Rhythmia. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean you guys are now in an open relationship or is it just much more like go with the flow, whatever? It's not as much of an issue. I mean, so far we're monogamous because nothing's actually happened. And I don't know. I think Misha just likes, he's a freedom guy. He likes to know he has the freedom. Doesn't mean he's always going to exercise it. So I think he's just happy knowing he can, but I don't see him actually actively trying to make anything happen so far. But his thing he always tells me is like, I still want you involved. Like I would be happy if we could just have a threesome. I don't really want to go meet someone. So that's on the table and we'll see how that happens but you're open for this idea yeah i'm open for it i've never considered myself like bisexual or into women however there have been a couple lesbians that hit on me in my lifetime and if they have a certain energy i see it could work for a, a fun thing but it she definitely has to be into me that's a prerequisite it can't just be some girl that wants misha And then we bring her in like she needs to want me to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. For sure. So, Keaton, are you looking forward to go to Rhythmia with me? Yeah. And now we have to bring Andrew. I don't know if we can afford to bring Andrew, but yeah, I am dying to go. <laughs> I am dying to go. Frankly, I don't know. Okay, I think Andrew would benefit from Rhythmia. I think so too. If I may say so myself, I think he would benefit from it a lot. I think he would benefit from taking ayahuasca and just, you know, he's also pretty good at talking out his feelings and stuff, almost more so than me sometimes. But you have to be open for it, right? Yes. And I feel like he has some shit that he just has to deal with. We all have shit we have to deal with. I feel like I actively try to deal with my shit, but I also kind of can think myself in circles, whatever. I'm very excited to deal with my shit. 
I feel like Anders sometimes just <laughs> maybe thinks he doesn't need to deal with it or something, or he's fine. Like he's able to just kind of brush it aside and be like, this is done with, over with, whatever. Whereas me, the woman, I'm like, no, you need to address this. So I think he would benefit from it. Would he ever actually go? I don't know. Yeah. So maybe you should go alone with Diana and then you can just inspire him with your big shift. Yes. So what would your intention be to go? What is it that you want to dive into? So I think I want to dive into, you know, or just see what happens. I I mean, there's a little bit of see what happens, but also my childhood, like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love my parents. Like I can talk to my mom about anything. can talk to my dad about almost anything. I love my parents, loved the childhood that I had. However, my parents were divorced, are divorced. I was like three and a half, four when that happened, whatever. And I feel like I just, my personality, who I am, also the age I was at, like I have a lot more, I don't know, a lot more of that resulted in like personality changes within me or formed more of my personality than say like my brother who was, he was like six months Mm -hmm. old when my mom moved to Minnesota, you know? I don't think it affected him as much as it affected me. And I'm not saying that it was traumatic or anything. You know, I feel like I'm just fine, but I would really love to explore that more, kind of figure out how that formed me as like who I am. Do you actually remember it happening? Like, is that a memory? Oh God. Yeah. Like I can tell you, my mom moved out. My mom moved from Wisconsin to Minnesota in July something. I was like three and a half. I remember the day. I remember sitting in the back seat. My brother was crying. I was crying. And I remember seeing that it was a sunny, nice day. And I didn't understand why it was such a nice day, but I was so sad. Like, yeah, I totally remember it. Totally traumatic. Yeah. Like I'm here, I'm fine. But at the same time, I really want to explore that. And as a result, like, you know, Andrew and I had all of our shit last year. It was terrible. I would like to explore that more, but also it has been one of my things that I've always said is as a result of my childhood traveling, my parents live four hours apart. So every other weekend it was eight hours on the road. And I know that no matter what, like Andrew and I, we are good right now. Like I cannot see us having the same issues that we had before, but you know, nothing is ever written in stone, whatever. But I know no matter what, if we ever had children and we were here or we were in Minnesota, whatever. I would not subject my kids to the same childhood that I had, which is traveling back and forth. Like my family, no matter what I do, even if I were to have married somebody who is from Minnesota or from, you know, my hometown down by Madison, like no matter what I do, my family is not going to ever be in one place. And that is like the bane of my existence Mm. because no matter what, like I'm always going to have to travel to see somebody. You know, and then you see these people that it's like, oh, their whole family is all in like this one little town. And it's like, that's so great. I hate you. You know, I want to explore <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely some things that I want to like go into. I want to touch on and just work through, but also very go with the flow. Just kind of see what happens. Because who knows, maybe something that I'm not even identifying was a very formative thing for me, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I have a very similar experience, um, which I actually also found out within the last few years how that was so traumatic 
that I was also three years old when I saw my parents split up. Hmm. Okay. And I have the exact memory. Like it's my, I guess it's my first vivid memory. I'm standing on top of the staircase with my dad and my mom is walking down the stairs with her bags and she's like, come on, Serenia. And my dad goes, by the way, I have three sisters, but they all have different dads. Okay. So my dad goes, you already have your two daughters. She's my only one. So let her stay with me. So my mom goes, fine, stay with your dad. And I felt so torn between who do I go with? Oh my God, you're three. Yeah. <laughs> so I stay with my dad. And yeah, I stay with my dad for a few years before I was really missing my mom. And I said, I want to go live with my mom now, around like six years old, five or six. And so one day I remember I'm at my mom's house and my dad calls and he's crying. It's the first time I ever really like heard my dad crying. And he was like asking me, how come you don't want to live with me? Wasn't I a good dad? And I was just like heartbroken. Like, why can't my my parents just be together? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like my dad's everything. And my dad passed away when I was 13. So this was, well, the trauma on top of the trauma, but it really did start back then. Yeah. And the thing is, just like as you said in the beginning, you know, I'm so grateful for my parents. I had a great childhood. That's what everyone kind of sees, which is also true, but it's what blocks us from looking at the trauma. Just allowing ourselves to say, hey, that really caused me pain, even if it seems small, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I've always said, like, there is nothing that gets me more than, like, people who are in unhappy relationships and they have kids. They're like, we're staying together for the kids. It's like, absolutely not. I am sorry, but your kids can sense the tension between the two of you. Your kids can pick up on the fact that you don't really love each other and you're staying together for whatever reasons. Like, I am so happy. In the end, I am so happy that my parents left. You know, they broke up. Both of them are now with, you know, their life partner or whatever. It's like the second marriage worked for both of them. And it's so much better. Like, I'm so happy that they did that for themselves, but also for me. A, because it set a great example. Like, if this isn't right, go see something else and seek something else that's going to make you happy. And B, like, you don't have to stay in something that's unhappy just for the sake of somebody else, you know? So it's still, yeah. Childhood fucks everybody up. That's true. That's true. You know, Looking back, I was saying, okay, I had to go to the hospital like every day after school because my dad was in the hospital like all the time. And how old were you again? I don't know. Second grade. You're still pretty young. Yeah, I can't remember a day where I wasn't at the hospital or somewhere. And, you know, looking back, I'd say, no, I'm fine. You know, I had a good childhood. I still had fun and stuff. But a couple of months ago... I was going through stuff from kindergarten, like just papers, drawings, something like Mm -hmm. that. And there was a drawing like super sad, sad people. And I just can't remember that. Like my brain just deleted that. Also, the funeral of my dad, it's gone. I can't remember a thing. I just remember like that one couple just hugging me at the end of it. But I cannot remember like a single thing that happened before or during 
the funeral. I just don't remember. Oh my god. You know? And that's kind of the way the brain tries to... Yeah, to protect you. Yeah. How old were you? I was seven. It was close to my birthday. It was December 6th when he died. December 6th is Nikolaus. Yeah, St. Nick's Day. And children get presents. And I got this Barbie, whatever, you know, just clothes for the Barbie, even though I wasn't really a Barbie fan by my mom. You know, you're a girl, you need a Barbie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I never even took it out of the, the box because it was such a dramatic day. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm curious what Rhythmia and Ayahuasca would bring out of that. Well, I can tell you we're both going to have really ugly crying faces. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, this morning we had breath work. I told you a little bit about it. Hmm. Yeah, well, you just told me that you did like 30 minutes of guided breath work or something like that. And that sounds like something I'd be really into. Yeah, and it's easy to do. Like, it's just breathing in a specific way. Maybe Irina can explain it a little bit better than I can. Or I was going to say, like, what's the difference between breath work and meditation? Yeah, so, um, and I'm not definitely not by no means an expert in breath work or meditation. But breath work is a lot more focused on deep breathing. And in a faster pace. So instead of just sitting with your eyes closed and, you know, inhaling through your nose and letting it out slowly, breath work is more like. <sighs> so that's where you're literally only focusing on your breath. You know, it's almost like there's no room for thoughts to come in as as there are with meditation. And when you breathe in that much oxygen so deeply and so quickly, after about 30 rounds, you can hold your breath. So he'll tell you, the guided ones are great too, because you'll just have someone really telling you how to go. Okay. Once you do it once, you can do it on your own though. And there's music, beautiful music too. That's also really, really important. But after about, you know, 30 deep breaths or so, you can hold your breath for at least a minute and usually up to two minutes. They also do a breath work at Rhythmia and it's for an hour which is very intense. So by the time they have you let out your breath and hold your breath, it feels like you're holding your breath for no joke, five minutes. Like it is impressive. You're just laying there like, oh my God, I haven't been breathing for a while and I don't feel like I need to. And it's, you're in this super blissful, ecstatic state. Sometimes not blissful, right? Sometimes people have more of an emotional effect where all of these emotions get loosened up. And you might cry, but it's still a good cry. It still just feels like a relief. Hmm. Actually, what they also describe in Rhythmia is that, first of all, ayahuasca works differently on everybody. Mm -hmm. And for some people, nothing really profound actually happens. But a lot of people will do the ayahuasca every day for four days and then do the breath work on the fifth day. And that's when they have this amazing revelation. So you get actually this psychedelic effect from breath work, which is pretty incredible that you can just get yourself to these states without a substance. Because what's happening, your body and your mind is releasing these chemicals in a certain way, which, and obviously I'm not a scientist, so I couldn't even try to begin to <laughs> explain it here. 
he told us a little bit this afternoon. But yeah, it's just doing certain things with the way that the chemicals are released and the way your brain is processing it and turns off certain functions, turns off certain stress receptors, and you're able to achieve these um, states that you're not in a normal, you know, setting. It was really interesting because I was going in today with no expectations. Yeah, it's just breathing. Yeah, I was going in there and saying, okay, it's just breathing. But like he said, okay, there are techniques where, you know, the universe is opening up to you. And I was like, okay, it's breathing. And I kind of know that kind of breathing, you know, when you have a panic attack or something. Yeah, I was going to say, um, the thought of all of this gives me a lot of anxiety simply because I'm an asthmatic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like to fuck with my breathing. Yeah. So we were all lying down in that living room upstairs. We had this wonderful music and just started breathing, breathing, holding your breath. And he said, like, okay, you can hold your breath like a minute or two in the first three rounds. And I was like, okay, can I hold my breath a minute? I don't know. But it doesn't feel like a minute. You feel like you could hold your breath like forever. And yeah, I was lying on the floor, but it felt like I was lying in water, like that Ooh. little weights would be under my body. Like a sensory deprivation chamber or whatever? More like floating in water, Okay, you know? Okay. And in the fourth round, I kind of felt like the guy turned the music down, even though he didn't do anything. And that there was like cotton in my ears. So I kind of stopped myself because it reminded me of fainting. I was like, okay, this is going too far because it felt like your body's shutting down, but it still was interesting. It still felt light. And Juliane, who was next to me, she um, grabbed my hand in the third round and like really squeezed it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when we um, get out of this, I just saw Juliana like really happy, but also with tears in her eyes. And Diane next to me, who's just like very emotional. And she was hugging me and saying, oh, I'm so grateful I met you. So I started crying and every, you know, you could see all the girls were just starting crying. And we had this five minutes for ourselves before going back to sitting in the circle and just talking about our experience. So I was just grabbing a little bit of water. Misha was looking at me in my crying face and was like, okay, something happened with you. <laughs> so I was just going to my bedroom, just started crying all over. <laughs> yeah, and then we went upstairs and talked about the different experiences, which was very, very interesting because other people saw things. And I think Serenia did too. Yeah, exactly. It's like I said, more of like this joyful, relaxing state in the beginning. And for everybody, it's different. For me, it unlocked my... I mean, I'm such an emotional person. Anything I do will bring up crying <laughs> in the end. Okay. Keaton, have you tried any psychedelics? I have not, but I am 110% open to them. Mm -hmm. Oh. I said you're really into microdosing, that you're, you know... I am totally interested in it. Yes. I want to try it. The closest I've come to a psychedelic is just like just smoking weed and that's fine. So ayahuasca is a big step then because usually people <laughs> start with like maybe mushrooms or um, LSD. Yeah. Not that you have to, but. 
that's how I started. They all basically do the same things. You know, they all just take you straight to the place where you need to heal something. And breathwork often does a similar thing. So if you have any suppressed emotions, it will tend to bring that up. Okay. And you don't always know exactly why, because some people have visuals, some people don't. So you might not even know exactly what the sadness is coming from, but it's showing you that it's in there. And with psychedelics, it's more like it shows you where it's coming from. <laughs> like, okay, you might go straight to that experience of the things that hurt you. And so it's just easier to process and say, okay, so this is what I need to sit with. And maybe it's just about talking about it more, whether it's with your partner or a friend or a therapist or whoever you feel safe with just saying, hey, I want to talk about how this was a hard thing in my life that I never talk about, you know? Yeah. And maybe this is completely off base as somebody who has never done any breath work, has never done any psychedelics. The only thing I can equate this to, Diane, I think I've mentioned this to you before, is like if I'm in a workout and breathing really hard or like with yoga, you're focusing on, you know, your inhale and your exhale all lining up with whatever, you know, movement you're doing that will make me very emotional. Like (laughs) I have a Peloton at the end of my Peloton workouts. Sometimes if they get like just at the end of this workout, I've worked so hard. I've tried so hard and that will make me really emotional. And I'm like, why the hell am I crying? I just kicked ass, whatever. I got a PR or whatever. But that kind of thing where I'm really focusing on my breath and my body and just getting something done Mm-hmm. Maybe that's completely off base, but that will always make me very, very emotional for whatever reason. So even though breathwork gives me a little bit of anxiety because I am an asthmatic, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't really like messing with my breath. No, that doesn't sound offbeat at all. It sounds like it's in the same realm. Well, you know what's interesting? Misha grew up with asthma. Did he? Yeah. He actually cured it with weightlifting, with that deep breathing on his own. Okay. So I need to talk to Misha. Yeah. So how long have you been um, like working out intensively? Like on a really regular basis since December. But even prior to that, I think Diana can attest like I would go through, you know, phases where I work out a lot and then I'll, you know, take a couple of weeks off because something happens or whatever. So I've always been a pretty active person. But as far as really being very, very regular and very consistent about it for a long time, it's when I bought my Peloton. Okay. So do you use an inhaler? Yep. I use an inhaler and I'm on a daily allergy medicine and unfortunately on a daily steroid as well because my asthma is just really bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that makes it worse? exercise and exercise, but that's gotten better. Like I have been able to tell that since getting my Peloton, my lungs have gotten a lot stronger, but like if I get sick at all, you know, if I get the flu, I'm at a higher risk to turn into pneumonia. Obviously COVID has been terrifying. Like if I get a cold, if I get the flu, something like that, like my breathing goes really bad, really fast, and it takes me a long time to recover from it. So those kind of are my triggers. And I was always the type that was really hoping I was going to be able to grow out of it. And that just never did. But I have grown out of allergies for the most part. Oh, you have? Misha's also deathly 
allergic to cats. Okay. I mean, even if a cat was in the house and it's not anymore, if there's cat hair, he will have a stuffed nose and be really uncomfortable. I used to be like that. Like, I'm allergic to cats and dogs. I've never had a cat, so I can't really test that reliably. But, like, Diana knows we have Duke, and he is not hypoallergenic. He sheds like a freaking monster. And my allergies Mm. have gotten very – they've gotten used to him to the point where I've kind of almost acclimated. So I think I've been able to kind of get away from the allergies a little bit. But the other things are still kind of there. Yeah, I would be interested what Misha says if I asked him because, I mean, obviously he would probably not recommend anyone to not do what they do from their doctor's advice. (laughs) (laughs) But um, just moving forward in all of these things that I learned in this whole spiritual arena is it almost seems like anything is curable. Yeah. And that the pharmaceutical way of going about things just kind of keeps you, you know, where you are and coping. So I'm always passionate about finding out how we can get people to heal these these types of things as well. Yeah, naturally deal with them, naturally prevent them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very into that. Like my husband has been struggling with some stuff for the last like week and a half-ish. And I can't remember if I told you or not. But anyways, he went to the doctor for it and his doctor is just prescribing something to deal with it. And I'm like, they didn't address the underlying causes at all. And that irritates me so much that I'm like, I cannot believe that I as your wife, like, of course I'm going to do it. But I'm the only one telling you to address the underlying cause of this issue. Like that should not be the case. Yeah. I think as Serena said, everything is curable. Yeah. And preventable. Well, for the most part. Exactly. I mean, in America, there's a big problem with you know, the food industry. Oh my God, we're so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even begin. I mean, I said it in another episode, like, you wouldn't have this coronavirus situation if everyone was vegan. Yeah, because um, it came from a meat market. Exactly. And I also catch myself saying, you know, if a doctor would tell me, okay, you have cancer, I would go vegan immediately. Yeah, there's a diet that's related to cancer. Um, It starts with a G. Gerson's diet or something like that, where people cure cancer, put it into remission, whatever, through diet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it, you know, going vegan, and we're planning to do a vegan August. Yep. I was like almost 100% vegan before we got married, and I felt fantastic. Unfortunately, now my August is probably going to be spent doing the whole 30 because I'm like 99% sure I have IBSD. But after that, I really hope that I can get back to vegan because I felt great and I didn't feel any guilt. I mean, you know, meat needs to have some spices put on there to make it taste like something. Yes. It's never just like, I want a steak. It's I want this whole meal that is centered around a meat. Yeah. And, you know, if you just eat chicken without any spices, it's terrible. It doesn't taste like anything. So that's why I am, you know, not eating meat that often. But, you know, fish, seafood. Shrimp. Exactly. (laughs) It doesn't really have to be like all or nothing. Like for me, it doesn't have to be. 
Like I don't want to yeah. limit myself to have like anything I want. And if there's a drop of milk on there, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to eat it because I'm vegan. Because I don't want any labels on me, mm-hmm. you know. But you can be like 85% vegan. Yeah. And I don't know why we're talking about this <laughs> I don't know how we got on this topic either, but I remember saying that because like if I were 100% vegan living in freaking Wisconsin, I could never eat out. I am in the land of meat and cheese. Oh my God. I would never be able to not eat at my house. Yeah. But how did we get on this topic? It was about health. Like if I had cancer, I would immediately go vegan. That's how it did. Yep. And it is, I Google it, it is the Gerson diet, which I know that my aunt said after watching my grandma die, not from cancer, but from her cancer treatment, she said if she was ever diagnosed with cancer, immediately she would go like yep, 100% vegan, uh, Gerson diet, yep, which I probably would too. I think it's treatable without, you know, medical treatment, Yeah, but with proper nutrition, Yes, because we're all eating like shit. But now this week, we have a wonderful cook here. Oh my God, I know. And she does incredible things. I want her to come to my house. Yes, absolutely. I will tell her to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, if she wants to visit Green Bay, I have an open guest bed. (laughs) Yeah. All she has to do is cook for me. I want to know, Serenia, if you're 100% vegan, and if so, how long have you been that way? Yes, I'm 100% vegan. It's been over five years since I started, but I wouldn't say over five years since I ever had an animal product. Okay. So when I first started, I kind of slowly got into it. I was still eating seafood and then like, for example, pastries. Like I was like, oh, if there's butter in here or eggs in here, it's okay. And then I went 100% in just because I realized that I would use that as an excuse to just keep eating anything because I was like, oh, well, I'm not 100% yet. So then I would even went like a step further and would like eat a burger sometimes. Like I had a burger and then I had like, it was like Thanksgiving. So I ate the whole spiel, turkey dinner spiel. And then I just realized, okay, if I don't just do it all in, I'm not really vegan at all <laughs> because, oh, also I was you know, every time I would like drink, I was just like uninhibited. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll eat whatever I want. So it just wasn't really working out for me to make the commitment unless I went 100%. And that's why I did it 100%. And now I'm at a point where I truly don't want any animal products. However, like I understand people that don't want to be 100%. And I understand not wanting that label, because it's not natural to identify with anything. That's your ego. And Misha and I both really started advocating for veganism on social media and then became like known as this vegan couple. And then I realized how restricting that felt. Like, oh my God, if I ever ate something, I couldn't post a picture of it. (laughs) Yes. You're like automatically stigmatizing yourself. Yeah. So that's a weird feeling. And I tell Misha all the time, like if we go to Italy, my first time in Italy, I've never been there and it's my dream to go there. I just might eat a regular piece of cheese pizza. He wouldn't. He's still very strict with himself. But I don't really feel 100% comfortable being that way with myself because I want to enjoy certain things, especially if I feel like I've been doing such a good job. Like I'm doing my part. Yes. (laughs) Like I'm helping the planet. (laughs) 
yes. a vegan like every single day of the year that if I want to go on vacation, I just might have like some gelato and a slice of cheese pizza. Oh my God, because it's fucking Italy. <laughs> yeah. Meat is out. I have no desire to eat meat. I think the only things are vegetarian things. Also, even with eggs. Like I'm like, okay, if someone has a farm with chickens, those hens are going to lay eggs no matter what. Yep. So I don't mind eating one. <laughs> yes. So that's my stance. I would probably be in the same camp. Like, A, I would love to have chickens, even if I don't eat that many eggs. I just really want chickens. You do? Oh, my God. I love chickens. Oh. <laughs> Yesterday, I went to a farm to pick up my share. At, I have a CSA. Oh. I go to a local farm and pick up produce every week, and it's fantastic. And there were chickens there, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want freaking chickens. Oh, that's amazing. But I don't eat eggs every day by any means. And yeah. same as you. Like, other than, you know, craving the rare burger, because I'm sorry, I had a Beyond Burger literally last night. It's not the same. Really? <laughs> I do love the Beyond Burger, but it's been a long time since I had a regular one. Oh, I want it to be so bad. And it's just not. <laughs> but like, I never find myself craving meat other than like the random, just like, I want a greasy, delicious, like cheeseburger or whatever. State burger. Oh my God. Don't even talk about that restaurant. Wait, have you had the impossible burger? I don't know that I've had the impossible burger. I know that beyond meat, it just, there's a different taste to it, but I will have to try the impossible. I do think the impossible one is much more like real meat. Okay. I'll tell you something. I ordered delivery. Do you guys have the counter in Wisconsin? No. See, that's the other thing I was going to say is you're from Los Angeles, right? Yeah. It's really easy to be vegan there. Yeah. It'd be easier to be vegan in Minnesota than it is in Wisconsin. God freaking Wisconsin. Try to be vegan in Germany. Yeah, that too. Okay, so you ordered something through the counter? Yeah. There's this burger joint called The Counter, and they had the Impossible Burger. And I ordered the Impossible Burger delivery, and I ate a few bites, and I was like, oh my God, they gave me the wrong fucking burger. (laughs) And... I was inspecting it. I was looking at it. I was like, this is real. And I ate about half of it. And I felt so ashamed because I was also a little bit drunk. Okay. (laughs) And nobody was home. It was just me. (laughs) And I was like, if Misha knew, if Misha knew that I ate a real burger right now, he might like break up with me. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, he would be disgusted. He'd freak out. Yeah. So I threw it away, not in my trash can. I went outside to throw it away in the dumpster. <laughs> I love that. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going to tell anyone that I just ate half of a real hamburger. I'm going to die with this secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fast forward a few months later, we go to the counter and order the Impossible Burger. And it was the same one. And I was like, wow, I wasted that burger (laughs) when I was drunk and starving. That's amazing. Okay. You would have to tell me if I'm so far off, but I swear that is a real good vegan burger. Put it on your calendar. I'm going to Minnesota next weekend to dog sit for my mom and the red door. No, I'm sorry. 
the blue door, red cow, whatever. There's so many freaking restaurants with colors in them. The red cow. (laughs) I'm going to go to the red cow because I know they have an impossible burger and I will order the impossible burger and I will report back to Diana how it is. Please do. Okay, Diana, put it on your calendar so that I don't forget because if one of us remembers, you'll be the one to remember. Yeah, because my brain is fucking awesome. And mine's shit. (laughs) But (laughs) we have to connect you two because you both want to learn German. Yeah. And you both need the kick in the ass to learn German. I'm actually going to see if I can get delivery from the red cow at my mom's. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, okay. I know. I completely agree. It does not help that I'm not on social media and frankly have zero desire to be on anything. The only thing I ever miss is Instagram because it was funny. But now the most important question. It's a ongoing topic. Madonna's like a virgin. Uh, not oh my like God. a virgin. Like a prayer. Like a prayer. <laughs> is it about a blowjob or is it not about a blowjob? <laughs> You're probably going to hate me for not knowing the lyrics to that song. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm kicked off the show. <laughs> this will never air. No, I'm joking. So when we're done, you guys need to listen to Like a Prayer. I will, too. Serenia is Googling the lyrics right now. Oh, my God. It's the best. I will listen to it, too, because thankfully, Andrew is gone. So I can turn it up as loud as I freaking want. It'll be incredible. It's my plane song, you know? I listen to it on airplanes. I don't know why. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Do airplanes just make you think of blowjobs? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I am about 90% of the way through my bottle of wine. Oh, ours is gone. Uh, go get more. Misha kind of needs to deliver a bottle of wine, but Misha is totally against alcohol. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Misha is vegan and against alcohol. Serenia, where did you find this man? He's zero fun. No. We were drinking together when we met. We used to have our little ritual of buying wine and watching Narcos. I don't know what happened, but he dropped the alcohol completely. Now he's on to drugs. (laughs) So you just replaced alcohol with drugs. Yeah. So who do you think got me into psychedelics? That one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. See, and my husband can't smoke weed without getting super anxious. Diana, did I ever tell this story on air? Which one? The one about Andrew and I in uh, Arizona? I don't even know if you told me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Well, then it's never been on air. Um, Okay, so I wish my husband would get me into psychedelics, but here's the problem. He gets really paranoid and anxious when he even just smokes weed. Where, like, weed... All I want is a night where all I do is listen to Lana Del Rey, just listen to her beautiful voice, smoke weed, and just chill because it's the most chill you can possibly get. Meanwhile, the last time, I think one of the last times Andrew and I ever smoked weed together, we were at his brother. So my brother-in-law's wedding in Arizona, we did smoke a pen. And nobody told us because everybody assumed that we smoked weed like regularly, like they all do, which we don't because we live in Wisconsin. So we take a hit off this pen and it's like one hit off this pen is the equivalent to smoking a single joint. Okay. Nobody told us. So we took like five. Yeah. Okay. So we (laughs) took like 
five to six hits off this pen in like 20 minutes. <laughs> the last oh, thing I remember, God. we're all outside. The last thing I remember is Andrew coming over to me, like doing a little like wink, wink, nudge, nudge on my, uh, like with his elbow and going, I'm just a little high. I don't remember anything. At some point, <laughs> at some point we got inside. I was a little bit panicked because I'm like, oh my God, we're at a wedding. We're newlyweds. So everybody's like, oh, like, look, Chris is getting married and Andrew just got married. Like, whatever. We're at a wedding. This is not where I want to be super high, but I was super fucking high. And Andrew, meanwhile, was super anxious. We drank like four pitchers of water in an hour, just guzzling water, trying to like not be so I because to this day I do not remember getting inside and I was pretty chill I was trying to convince Andrew that we just need to go outside we just need to take a walk in the fresh air we'll be totally fine like we're just really high Andrew was paranoid as hell thinking that we were going to die so he made his cousin come over and repeatedly check his pulse through his Fitbit that's the worst thing you can do when you have a panic attack well, in his Fitbit, he wears it on his ankle because he breaks the wristband all the time at work. So he's like constantly lifting up his ankle, being like, check my pulse. Oh my God. And I was like, honey, we need to just go for a walk. It'll be fine. And he's like, no, we're going to die and nobody's ever going to find our bodies. And then I eventually, because we were drinking so much water, had to go to the bathroom. And he like stared at me in the eyes like the most intense stare and he was like how long do I let you stay in there before I come in after you and I was like forever you let me go to the bathroom by myself I'm just going to the bathroom so he doesn't really smoke weed after that oh, but me that's understandable really chill yeah right oh my god it was so freaking funny I swear to God, I woke up the next morning and was still high. But he doesn't really smoke wow. weed after that. Yeah. I will. I will, especially <laughs> when listening to Lana Del Rey. I can't remember how I got on that tangent, but that was a, it's a good moment. So how often do you smoke weed? Not very often. I actually have a friend's birthday this weekend, and I'm really kind of hoping that she has her pen with her. I want to sit in the middle of this lake, take a hit off of her pen, and just chill in the sun. Nothing sounds better. I mean, isn't that a total mood? It sounds awesome. Does it right? Thank you. What's also a total mood? Like a prayer from Madonna. So That's how we got on this topic. You googled the lyrics. Is it about a blowjob or is it not about a blowjob? Yeah, in case the seven people are watching, um, listening. <laughs> if you also have not heard... It sounds like it is. Yeah. Um, I'll just give you the little hook here. When you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm down on my knees. I want to take you there. <laughs> In the midnight hour, I can feel your power. <laughs> like a prayer. You know, I'll take you there. <laughs> sounds like we're in church now. <laughs> I totally just pulled up the song. It's about a blowjob. It's about a blowjob. I remember when you said that to me, I looked at you like you were insane. Do you remember that? I know. We were on our way to Chicago and she was like, are you kidding me? This is not about a blowjob. Yeah. I'm like, this is Madonna. It's about a blowjob. 
Yep. This episode was really fun. I think the most fun we ever had in a podcast. Yeah. We should have more guests. Anytime you want to be on the podcast. Oh my God, I'm so honored. And if I had social media, I would follow you, Serenia. <laughs> but I don't have social media. You don't have social media? Okay, I have a Twitter. The only thing I kind of miss is Instagram. But I am on Tumblr and I am on Twitter. That's how we met, by the way. Yeah. By a Tumblr. Did she not know that? I don't know if you knew. Yeah, I did know. And that's super cute. We had this little meet cute on the internet. <laughs> when did you think we met, Diana? I don't know. It's been a couple of years. Oh, it's been a long time. I swear to God, I thought I have known you longer than I have known Andrew. No, <laughs> no. You were with Andrew already. Already? We both had our, you know, I knew when you said, okay, don't judge me. I did this and that. And I said, oh, I did that too. Oh, and then it was there. And I know Serenia did it too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was the moment I knew, okay, this is going to be a good friendship. This was destined to be. Yeah, right? Who would have ever freaking thunk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we would sit here now with a pot. Like, I would never imagine she worked for Misha. He was posting a lot of fitness stuff that I wasn't into on Instagram. Wait, you followed him before you worked for him? Yeah, of course. Oh! What did you think? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Misha was posting a picture on Snapchat of Serenia and him, like a mirror picture. And Serenia wore a really, really nice coat. And I'm really into coats. You know that. Mm, I do love a good jacket. Yep. So I was texting Misha on Snapchat. And uh, I also (laughs) commented on one of Serenia's posts and said, I saw this coat from where is it? And then Serenia texted me back on that comment on Instagram. And then Misha recorded like a video snap of him casually sitting and said, oh, I heard you already got your answer. I hope everything is fine. And I thought, wow, this was really, really nice of him to take the time to record a snap about the code, even though I already know the answer. So I never unfollowed him because I always remembered that one situation. So that's why I saw this. I need a community manager post from him. And I said, OK, going for it. And now here we are. Yeah. And now here we are. And where was that coat from? It was from from (laughs) Zara. Zara? Okay. From Zara in Los Angeles. So I never got it. (laughs) But I got so much more. And when Misha asked me, oh, can you talk to Serenia about something? I knew we would get along. (laughs) And we do. Yeah. How did you know? Because you're an introvert. I followed your stories. Hold on. What? Serenia is an introvert? Of course she is. She's a super introvert. We are the introvert club here in Portugal. There's only one other introvert here. Michi. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is. I hear the shock, the shock and awe in your voice, Keaton. Yeah. I'm an introvert and I'm also a Leo. And this combination confuses people. The introvert thing kind of makes me a little bit more... um, Subdued? Approachable, maybe. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, like people are just a little bit more like, oh, she's not too much. Because if I was an extrovert, I would probably be too much. People would just be like, eh, I don't like her. I can see that. Well, you're probably an extrovert too, right? Oh, God, no. 
Oh, really? I am a Scorpio introvert. Oh, well, that's the other thing. When introverts are like together, all of a sudden we're all extroverts. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the thing. Oh my God. Yeah. I get with the right people and I can be an extrovert, but like when it comes down to it, yeah, I'm an introvert. That's what Serenia told me because I brought the football and games here to Portland. She's like, you're a total extrovert, like in between those other people. And like, yeah, when I'm comfortable. Yeah. When I'm comfortable, I'll never shut up. It just takes me a really long time to figure out. Like, Andrew and I have been together for eight years, and I am still trying to figure out where the hell I fit in in his little, like, friend group. My God, there's so many of them. Oh, so many of them. Literally, he was Mr. Congeniality in high school. Oh, it's disgusting. But you are both with extroverts, and I've only been with introverts. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, my God. If I were with an introvert, I'd be like, we are never leaving the house again. <laughs> Okay, very close to hitting two hours. I know, this has been a very long episode, but I have had so much fun. Yeah, me too. And that's not just the wine speaking. (laughs) I don't feel drunk at all. Do you? No, I did in the beginning and it wore off. I feel slightly buzzed. Um, So, Serenia, because you can totally make this little plug, you are on Twitter. Me? Because I found you. Yeah. Or there's somebody posing as you. Yeah, that's not me anymore. I had a Twitter and it got hacked and I didn't know how to just like report it. <laughs> yeah, I just well, left. I <laughs> well, I won't follow <laughs> that Twitter then. I need to get back on Instagram. So if you want to share your, um, what are they called? Oh, well, I doubt anyone's going to want to follow me. <laughs> After this episode, you never know. They're like, this bitch cannot help me with my relationship. She has issues. <laughs> but, uh, no, they will say Diana and Keaton. It is a miracle that Keaton is married. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Serenia Bryant <laughs> at all the social channels. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and um, my website, SereniaBryant.com. This has been so much fun, and that's not just the wine talking. It was so fun. Yeah, it has been fun for me, too. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so happy we got to do this. Anything else that you guys want to say in your parting words? Last words, Serenia? My last words are, you know, get down on your knees like a prayer and suck that dick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good night, people. (laughs) 